0: what are you telling me people welcome to our first podcast episode for 2020 visions showing you the bigger picture and a lot of issues that we feel need to be addressed or haven't received enough attention yet if you haven't already go and follow my instagram page underscore 2020 visions underscore follow that right now let's get the page popping and i hope you all enjoy this podcast episode but yeah let's get into it actually you know what before we get into anything else Go and follow my Instagram page right now. Not just for me, but in the bio, there's a link which contains a petition and a template you like can fill out and send to your MP in order to have Juggie Joha released from prison. Once you're done with the link, share it wherever you can. Share it in your friend's group chat, your family group chat. I'm not even going to lie to you. I can't share it in my family group chat personally because they removed me a couple of months back. But yeah, see if you're listening to this, I'd be back so I can share this link with you. For those of you that don't know, Juggie Johau has been in prison since November 2017. He was out shopping with his wife-to-be in a market in India when the police pull up on him and arrest him. Actually, you know what, I take that back. He wasn't arrested, he was abducted. They pull up on him while he was shopping. They put a sack over his head and throw him in the back of a van. Since then, the Indian authorities have presented no evidence in any of his court appearances to justify why he's been imprisoned. None of his bail applications have been accepted And in the letters he sent to his family, I think it was in the middle of July, he detailed how he's been subject to some extreme torture methods. I mean, I'm talking about being electrocuted, having your legs pulled four to five times a day whilst he's being questioned. He's also had to make recorded confessions according to what they want him to say. If he doesn't do any of that, they're threatened to do the same to his family, including his wife-to-be. Now, does this sound like the actions of a fair government to you? It's been going on for over a thousand days now. And if you really want to comprehend how bad this situation is, if a bunch of statistics like a thousand days isn't enough for you, look what you were doing in November 2017. Look at your Snapchat memories, look at your camera roll, look at your messages if you still got them. Look how much your life has changed from then till now. Whilst our lives have been able to develop, Juggie has been going through hell. Think about being a mother, learning that your son is going through such an ordeal and not enough is being done about it. The reason why they've arrested him in the first place is because he allegedly funded the Khalsa Liberation Force and was also connected with the murders of two right-wing Hindu Nationalist Party leaders. But both these murders happened before Juggie had even arrived in India, so tell me, where is the logic in that? And if he really is connected with these murders, why has not evidence been presented this is a human rights violation. You don't have to be Sikh or have brown skin or even have any connection to India to realise what is happening to Juggy right now is wrong. So let's get these letters signed and sent to our MPs. Let's get these petitions shared. Love to everyone already supporting on social media. I think Free Juggy is the fourth or fifth trending hashtag on Twitter right now. It might change by the time this podcast comes out. But if it isn't already, let's get the hashtag to number one. Let's do what we did for George Floyd, who was in America, and have the whole world... Talking about Juggy Johau, maybe then and only then will we bring our brother home. I didn't even mean to start on such a political one, but like I said at the beginning, the whole point of this podcast is to raise awareness of some issues which I feel don't get enough attention. So you know what? Whilst we're talking about things that don't get enough attention, I'm gonna take this opportunity right now and shout out all the key workers during the quarantine period. The NHS staff that are going to work every day away from their families and deal with the risk of death, whether you believe the pandemic was real or not. Obviously, that's a whole nother podcast episode where we can talk about conspiracy theories surrounding COVID and other things. But whether you believe the pandemic was real or not, people still lost their lives and the NHS staff. So I had to deal with that risk. Don't even think enough tribute has been paid to the families of these key workers that had to keep the households going by taking up other jobs or doing household chores, such as the cooking the cleaning or running errands to God knows where. Because without these people, the NHS staff wouldn't have had the support network that they needed to go into work every single day. And when I talk about key workers, I'm not talking just about the NHS staff and their families. I'm talking about the delivery drivers, I'm talking about the people that took up jobs or were already working in the supermarkets, stacking shelves, or sitting on the tills in places like Sainsbury's and Lidl, or the local corner shop, because without these people, the whole country would have come to a standstill. But you know what? Alongside the key workers, all the people that chased their dreams and goals during Covid also deserve special tribute. I saw a lot of people better themselves mentally and physically people didn't let no silly pandemic stop them from achieving their personal targets whether it was to lose weight or put on size because they actually paid the inflated prices for gym equipment and set up home gyms wherever they could but it's also worth mentioning that now lockdown's semi-over and the gyms are back open don't let all that progress you made during quarantine go to waste stick to that diet carry on making your workout videos or your vlogs of what you're eating because at the same time you're inspiring others to take gym more seriously. I was so inspired during quarantine. I bought my own pair of resistance bands. I haven't used them since May for personal reasons, but baby steps, baby steps. In terms of mentally, people improving themselves by reading books. For some, it's the first time they picked up a book since they left school. One book everyone was reading in particular was "Rich Dad Poor Dad." Now I read it myself. I did learn a few things from it about how to improve my financial intelligence, but at the same time, I found it a bit repetitive in certain areas. But if you can get past that, I do recommend everyone take the time out to go and read it. On Twitter, I saw a range of people doing different things to better themselves mentally, either signing up to the virtual internships via LinkedIn or taking the LinkedIn more seriously in general. A few people were using it as a dating site, but each are on. On the other side, people were using the time to catch up on their uni work, or even sign up to these online courses provided by Harvard. One person told me that they'd use the time to sign up to a course about the Sikh scriptures. So you can see how they were going beneath the surface in their religion. Just because you take the time out to learn something and it doesn't benefit you financially straight away does not mean that knowledge, learning it was a waste of time. You have no idea how that's going to help you in future. It might bring you wealth, or it might help you in areas which are also equally important as your wallet such as your mindset or your soul. We forget that these are also protective assets. It's what keeps us going every single day. But not to sound too cliche or anything because these words probably make you cringe or make you feel sick, but quarantine was extremely useful in revealing people's true colours, especially when the Black Lives movement had just started. We were all so absorbed and consumed by COVID that we forgot about all the real issues that were going on out there, such as black oppression until we were slapped in the face with that video of George Floyd being murdered. It's very sad how it took a video of someone's father dying for us to take a more serious stand and unite together against black oppression. But that aside, at least it got people actively trying to get justice for figures such as George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Just 10 days after George Floyd's killing, another man called Rachel Brooks was also shot dead in a car park by police. So you can see how the BLM was useful because it finally brought more attention, more awareness, the injustices black people have to face, both at the hands of the authorities and just the community in general. But at the same time, it was also equally important in helping expose just how close-minded some people can be. Before I go on, I don't want people to start taking snippets of this podcast and think... I'm criticizing the BLM. No, I'm not. I admire it. I support it. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, we got the whole world talking about George Floyd and trying to get justice against the black oppression. We got petitions signed, people attending rallies. We got Katie Hopkins' Twitter taken down where she tried to make negative comments towards it. It also inspired people to take more of an interest in learning about the injustices that their own groups of people are facing. Partly to do with the fact they had more time to do so due to COVID, but the fact that BLM was able to achieve this, well, you've got to give credit where credit is due. But for some reason, when other minority groups such as Sikhs started to spread awareness about their own oppression, it was seen as an attempt to undermine the Black Lives Movement. One person even decided to tweet that by Sikhs using the hashtag Sikh Lives Matter, or posting on Orange Saturday that they didn't want justice for black people and then they were trying to undermine the black lives movement. Now, I know a lot of you know what tweet I'm on about. It had the whole internet going crazy. I don't think I've ever read the words, you silly prick, as much as I did that day. I even did a whole post expressing my point of view towards a particular tweet on my personal Instagram and it got something like 500 or 600 likes. It would be nice if we got that many likes and pictures of my face. But we move. At least I got the message out there. One person, I think it was. Yeah, just one person, sorry. One person dm me saying they agreed with what the woman had to say. Now, I'm not going to hold it against them because everyone is entitled to their opinion. But what these people failed to realize is that June was the 36th anniversary of the 1984 genocide. So Sikhs were going to post awareness and tribute regardless. For those of you that don't know, 1984 is when the Indian government, led by the Prime Minister Indira Gandhi, don't forget. Prime Minister, government, meant to look out for your best interests but instead they ordered the commencement of Operation Blue Star It's been given the nickname the 10 days of terror You can see for yourself that this was not an attempt to arrest one person It was an attempt to silence a whole religion I mean what government, what Prime Minister deploys tens of thousands of troops to gather outside Ramindasav which by the way is a holy shrine for all Sikhs in India and across the world and orders them to take fire on innocent worshippers. Alone. If that alone does not sound malicious enough, before she ordered this attack to take place, she had all phone networks cut from Karamindasab so none of the worshippers, none of the victims could call out for help. Does that not sound like oppression to you? There's eyewitness accounts of tanks entering Karamindasab, the Golden Temple complex and opening fire there's accounts of Sikh women being abused and raped by Indian soldiers. Indian soldiers dragging children away from their mothers and bashing their heads against the walls until their schools had been crushed. One day that stands out to be the most in the terror is the sixth day where K.S. Brad, who after taking part in the massacre of his own people is still living free and well in India right now. I think he's 86 years old. He ordered army tanks to open fire which is the political equivalent of the White House for Sikhs. He reduced it to rubble. People died inside defending it. It was also on this day that Sanjay Nail Singh Ji died. They thought it would take him two hours to kill him. It took him six days and 72 bullets. Some sites are going to tell you that once Sanjay Nail Singh Ji had been killed, the army vacated from Haramindasab. That is not true. They stayed in there until October of that year. For four months, their Hanuman had a military presence in there. I think it was two days after Sanjanael Singh had been killed, they'd also made a public announcement that anyone seen helping Sikhs would also be shot dead. Like I said earlier, there's a lot of controversy surrounding 1984 and Sanjanael Singh People calling him a terrorist and extremist on articles, even on Twitter. People have said some mad things on Twitter. Like the other day, I read someone called Sanjanael Singh Ji the equivalent of Tupac. Like I don't want to speak out of tone or anything, but bro, are you stupid? Where the fuck? like why are you thinking when you tweet stuff like that, bro? Where's the correlation? Like why are you what how are they to how are them to any similar like how? But anyway, moment's over. One of Sanjay Nelson's key quotes was Neither must I seek oppressed nor must I live under oppression. In simple terms, he wants to liberate his own people from being oppressed. I don't think that's an extreme view to have to justify him being called an extremist or a terrorist. If the government, if the army are attacking you for sticking up for your people, what choice have you got but to defend yourself? He even said, I do not fear a physical death. Death for a conscience is sure death. That's something we can all learn from. When we are pushed into a corner, no matter how big the cards are stacked against us, we should never fold. We should continue fighting for what we believe in. And it's not like the 84 genocide is a standoff event that happened and in the last 36 years the situation has improved. Far from it, Sikhs are still undergoing oppression in India and other regions such as Kashmir to this very day. Sikh political prisoners such as Drugi Johal being imprisoned without any legitimate evidence against them. Hindu nationalists harassing Sikhs on the streets, telling them to reject their religion. In Kashmir, Sikhs are being persecuted the same way they were in 1984. A picture at the beginning of April actually came out of a Sikh truck driver being hung from a tree in Kashmir. Don't these victims, don't their families, don't they deserve some form of justice? Don't they deserve some form of awareness being spread about them without it being seen as attention seeking or trying to undermine the Black Lives movement? There was actually a big controversy over using the hashtag All Lives Matter. Like people were getting blocked for using this hashtag. Relationships were falling apart over whether or not they should use this hashtag. Apparently he was the equivalent of saying all houses on the street matter when only one house on the street is actually burning. I'm really going to go with that analogy. It's not just one house on the street that's burning though, is it? There's multiple houses that are burning. There's obviously the black oppression which is going on across the world. The Sikh oppression which I've just gone through. I'm talking about the Yemen humanitarian crisis which has been going on for the last five years now. Just two weeks ago actually on a separate note. There was also uproar on Twitter about Palestine being removed of the world maps. Google actually counted these statements saying Palestine was never included in their world maps for them to remove, which is quite blatant oppression. How you neglecting a whole region which has human beings living in it? Apparently it's because the CEO of Google has close links with Israeli leaders. But it's also worth mentioning that right now we are living in the age of a holocaust. Equivalent to the Holocaust happening in Germany 80 years ago to the Jewish people is happening right now in China to Muslims. It's considered a mental illness to be Muslim. They are sent to concentration camps without any legal representation for crimes they probably didn't commit, apart from the fact they are Muslim, and they are subject to some unspeakable, unspeakable torture methods. I remember back in school days when people were learning about the Holocaust and thinking. How did the whole world sit back and let Hitler do that to the Jewish people? Obviously back then they had an excuse, there was no internet, no social media for them to learn about it and spread awareness. Nowadays when we do have those tools by our side, we're still incorrectly using it. We treat things like it's a trend. For example, with the issue with the Muslims in China, in November-December time of last year, people posted a few stories, a few tweets, got a few petitions out there saying let's get these Muslims freed from China and then after that, there was nothing. On the flip side, when Muslims tried to spread awareness about it during the quarantine period, closed minded people came out yet again and said they were trying to undermine the BLM, just like they did when Sikhs were trying to spread awareness about 1984. I'm going to say this now, If you think spreading awareness about other forms of oppression is trying to undermine the BLM, if you think the All Lives Matter hashtag is a stupid hashtag to use, it's the equivalent of saying only one burning house on the street deserves to have their fire put out and the rest of the houses should be left to burn. How can we ever truly achieve equality when people keep treating oppression and pain like a competition? I think we forget that the stand is against oppression, not each other. It should not just be Sikhs spreading awareness about Juggie Johal screaming free Juggie and raising awareness about 1984. It should not be just Muslims talking about the situation in China and other parts of the world and it should not just be black people trying to end black oppression. Don't get me wrong, I'm not being closed-minded. It's human nature for us to genuinely be more passionate in raising awareness about the suffering of our own people. But at the same time, how is that going to lead to any significant change? Because it's always going to be one group of people trying to get the rest of the world to listen. If we all unify together and raise awareness of one another's injustices, it's going to be us against the systems that mistreat us. Once that's been achieved, it's more likely that those in power are going to listen to us and try and take action against this oppression. I mean, it's already been proven. Look how we all rallied together for the BLM and got justice for George Floyd's death. I mean, it took us a long while, but we eventually got there. Obviously, we still got a long way to go. There's still more victims of black oppression that we need to get justice for. But like I said at the beginning, imagine if the whole world or everyone that supported justice for George Floyd supported movements like the Free Juggie Joao campaign. Those in power would have no choice but to make more of an effort to try and get him released. Now some of you savages listening are probably going to think yo you know quite a few stupid people but before I even had the idea of dropping this podcast I was having a discussion with someone and they were saying that by supporting and raising awareness of the BLM we don't need to separately then raise awareness about the injustices other ethnic minorities face because apparently the BLM covers all of that it means ethnic lives matter not just black lives matter now, wonder some people are kicking off because that's literally a prime example of using the movement to further your own needs. But am I losing the plot? Bro, am I redoing A-level English literature for me to interpret every single word? When I read the words Black Lives Matter, I automatically think justice for black people. And we're spreading awareness for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm trying to say is when we raise awareness about one cause, we should not forget about all the other injustices going on out there we should try and raise awareness about them separately and simultaneously. I mean, I'm not expecting to go on social media tomorrow and see people make a post or story about every single injustice that has gone on out there. I mean, if you do want to do that, go ahead. People are already doing it, so hats off to them. At the same time, do not think because you post 100 stories about it every single day, you care about the issue more than someone that makes an occasional post. Yeah, you might genuinely care more. That does not make you a better human being. For all we know, you could be doing it for the clout. Some people do think you need to post about something all the time to show you care. They become some sort of political activist or because they change their DP, they change their username, they tweet a few wise words and got a few petition signs. I mean, yeah, I'm supporting what you're doing. but You can't start cancelling one another. We've all got our personal lives to be living. We've all got personal issues to sort out. Not all of us have the time to come on social media for 24 hours a day and post about all the issues going on out there i think that's how few concepts have been labeled as a trend because people post about it non-stop for a couple of weeks and then got busy in their personal lives and then just forgot to post about it you can't hold it against people we can't cancel them for it it's human nature to forget about things i apologize for going on such a tangent there i just felt like it needed to be said because at times like this you go on social media there'll be one group of people posting awareness about a particular issue all the time in any which way they can which is good but they'll then start attacking or cancelling other groups of people for not posting enough attention or treating it like a trend because apparently it shows that they don't care which is not always the case but anyways, back to what I was saying about unity the other day I saw a girl she created a post and it had a list of all the different injustices out there such as Free Jogi Johau, Justice for Brianna Taylor, Free Palestine and with each one she provided a quick summary people loved it, it got over 20,000 likes they shared it wherever they could I'm sorry, I don't know what this girl's name is, but the point is, posts like this are the way forward. It allows people to learn about all the different causes out there, both separately and at the same time. No one can say you're being selfish or you're trying to undermine a particular movement by raising awareness about the injustices only your people suffer from. Or they can't say you're following a trend because you're constantly raising awareness about everything that's going on out there. I know not everyone's got the time to be creating these little posts on Instagram or Twitter, but even sharing these posts once they've been created. Using all these different hashtags on a regular basis, getting all these petitions signed can go a long way in ending injustice against minorities. We are all minorities at the end of the day, whether we're Sikh, Muslim, black or brown. It's bad enough these systems are put in place to mistreat us. What's the point in creating a further divide by not helping one another? I was meant to end the podcast episode there, but I've just been reminded of a little incident that happened in June that's really going to emphasise what I've been saying throughout this whole podcast. So, boom, in June, a Sikh girl posts on an Instagram story that she's not going to raise awareness about 1984 or Sikh injustices because she feels that Sikhs are not minorities anywhere else other than India and that black people are worse off. All right. If Sikhs are not a minority... Why did a big American company like Instagram try and silence the Sikh hashtag? We all know how important a hashtag can be in this day and age in spreading information. Why did Instagram try and stop Sikhs from doing that? It's also kind of worrying that she was Sikh herself and probably had grandparents or great grandparents or even family alive at the time of 1984 who were all liable to suffering at the hands of the Indian army. So the fact that she didn't want to raise awareness about that is kind of worrying. Like I keep emphasising, oppression and pain is not a competition. Actually, you know what? I've said it and implied it so many times on a title of my podcast episode, Exactly That. When we're fighting against oppression, we're trying to stop human lives from being mistreated for a particular characteristic. We're not meant to compete against each other. How can you physically compare human suffering? Hopefully, this podcast episode has shown you history is not improving in any way, shape or form. It's only getting worse. Anyway... Thank you for all listening to my first podcast episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks for pointing up with my accent. Go and follow my Instagram and Twitter pages. Share this podcast episode wherever you can. Lads, if she's not replying to you, send her this podcast episode as an icebreaker. Girls, if he's not replying to you, well, sucks to be you then, innit? Share it with your girls' group chat. Share it with your friends, your family, wherever. Hope you all enjoyed it. And yes, stay tuned for more.